Hello. This is Pazuzu. You might know me from a film called The Exorcist, which ended very badly for me. You are listening to Chewing the Scenery, the best horror movie podcast around. So keep listening. <laughs> Dietz's intro. And you erased it yesterday by uh, accident. Man. <laughs> What's this button do? Well, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Me neither. I, obviously, I, I fat thumbed something. And... Fat thumbed. <laughs> it's a thing. That's what the kids say now, I think. That's what the kids say, like 23 skidoo. <laughs> They're out there with their Dr. Pepper lip gloss. <laughs> yep. So... We got Eileen Dietz, Pazuzu. She did she did some of the acting and the, the makeup as well. Oh, did she? Yeah, yeah. When they when they did the vomit cannon, apparently that didn't fit right on uh, on um, Linda Blair. Linda Blair's face. She didn't she didn't feel comfortable with it. So. Are we started yet? Yeah. Oh yeah, we started a long time ago. <laughs> this is where we fade in the mumbling. Mm. Yeah. We're, it's we just, just sound so slick. Point. It does, doesn't it? Yeah, she. Uh, they they shot the test footage of the vomiting with Eileen Dietz, and uh, there's like a half a second of her in the actual movie. Hmm. So we made it. She get any residuals off that half second? I don't hope so. It would make sense. Hey, everybody! Welcome to Chewing the Scenery Horror Movie Podcast. This is a podcast where we talk about movies of the past and present. We're going to be talking about the 1973 classic, The Exorcist, um, written by um, Joe Bob Blatty. Was that his name? Oh, exactly. William Peter Blatty. And he's also in the movie. Who is he in the movie? Uh, When it goes to... Astonished Drunk Number 2? Georgetown, and they're filming um, the uh, Crash Course. Uh, the and the director Burke is being harassed by various people talking to him, and one of them is this guy in a moustache. Ah, and that's uh, William Peter Blatty. All right, well, that's kind of cool, kind of a vaguely Hitchcockian thing to do. <laughs> well, before we get into much more about The Exorcist, have you guys seen anything cool since we did this last? Um, any movies at all? Shoot, what have I watched? Nothing that I remember. 
I know I haven't because I was getting ready for Walker Stalker Con, and mm. I, I don't think I had my TV on at all. Well, for tell days. us about that, how that went. It went really well. Um, for listeners who are uninitiated, um, Walker Stalker Con was started by another podcast that was talking about The Walking Dead, and they decided, hey, let's see if we can have a convention down here in Atlanta where they're based. And uh, it was very successful, so they added another city. And then another city, and I think they're up to like 10 or 12 cities now, and they've done London, and I think they had to cancel out of Paris. I think there was some contractual stuff with the hall or something. In France, they have to use French zombies. Oh, yes, of course. You can always tell. It's a law there. They're the ones with the berets and the little striped shirts. Now, you're thinking of mimes. (laughs) That's a different thing? Yeah. Okay. Uh, So... Walker Stalker Con added Denver um, some months ago, and I thought, yeah, that... Oh, so this was the first one here? First one here, yes. I've done Chicago. I did the first one for Chicago, which was in 2014, and uh, I did what was the second or third one they had done in Atlanta. I think it was the second time they had done Atlanta, and that was like Halloween weekend, uh, also in 2014. And then didn't do any in 2015, and here we are. And it was fun. Uh, my vendor booth for Screen Monsters was really busy. Jolien dropped in. I dropped him off a pass, and he came in whenever he got there, and it was madness. Uh, what did you think of it, Jolien? It was Jolien? about lunchtime on Saturday, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was, uh, it was, the crowd seemed happy and enjoying it. Yeah, but what did you think? <laughs> uh, oh, I wouldn't. Comes. I wouldn't have paid to go there. But uh, I, I've never seen the show, so and it, it's... You know, I, I don't know how much it costs to get in. I think the door is typically 40 or 45 at most. Wow. Jesus. I know. Most cons, though, are, are that price now. Yeah. And uh, Walker Stalker is as well, but they did the smart thing, at least this time that I know of, is they ran Groupon on it a lot. Mm. And I think they had it down around 25 bucks for Groupon, which mm. is totally affordable for most people because you're paying... You know. Yeah, I finally decided you just have to think of a $5 bill as a one. Yeah. <laughs> and a $1 bill is now a quarter. Yeah. And if you just adjust there, everything seems reasonable. If you, yeah, if you just put your, if you put your mind, you're right. If you put your mind right there, like... Financial um, advice. I found 100 yeah. bucks one time, and I didn't even get that excited about it. I felt like I wow. found a 20. Well, this is I'd actually making your money worth less, so... yeah. Imagine your money is worth even less than it is. That's hard to imagine. And it is, it's packed out with people from the show. Yep, a lot, a lot of celebrities. So uh, yeah, um, yeah. So you know, if you're, if you're a fan, it's a good good time. People seem happy, and the uh, the celebs seemed kindly and accommodating. And uh... most of them are very gracious. There's a few of them that might be travel weary or hungover or mm-hmm. you know just yeah i saw some of them just glumly sitting there on their phone to their agent or something but uh yeah most of them seem pretty busy and there was and then there was the uh the veterans of the romero series that yes was fun you, to see do you want do you want do you want to mention who who we had uh well i uh i went into the bathrooms and i took a pee and i and uh, I noticed that next to me there was Big Daddy from Land of the Dead. <laughs> Big Daddy, yeah. He, <laughs> he was just on the other side of the wall from wh- where my booth was, and uh, an over one. 
so we we interacted with Big Daddy quite a bit, mm-hmm. you know, not with our pants down or anything, yeah. but uh, but mm-hmm. he was a really cool guy. So we we got a bumper from him. And, right. Uh, and then uh, cool. went well, to see the talk by uh, Judith O'Day and Russell Strainer. How'd you like that? They're, yeah, they're very lively, and uh, you know they've obviously done this a lot. They yeah. All these anecdotes down pat and telling their stories. That's that's fun to see. And they do they do love telling the stories. I mean, Russ especially. He's a bit of a historian about it. And they yeah, they're great. Well, she she told a story about uh, going with her. Uh, I think it was her sister to this local theatre, and uh, they could still smoke in this cinema and they're having a revival of night of the living dead and uh so she was sitting in the audience and and people were like uh smoking away and and uh you know she quickly noticed it wasn't it was not straight cigarettes and uh <laughs> but it says after a while people were realizing who she was and kind of freaking out yeah you are freaking out man <laughs> um yeah so it was, it was great to see them i uh, also met uh, Zach Gilligan from the Gremlins. Oh. Uh, he was very nice. Yeah. yeah we had a bunch. And, and uh, the kind of the headliner, since um, Stephen Yoon from The Walking Dead, who plays Glenn, he's in Serbia filming uh, his next movie appearance. And uh, he had to cancel about three weeks before the event. And so that made the headliner... Uh, Freddy Krueger himself, Robert Englund. Yep, yep. So him. Sweet. Yeah. I saw him. I didn't speak to him. Oh, um, there man. Was, there was a Michael Rooker who, who you know, he, he's done tons of stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, his booth was really crowded and, uh, you know, they have this, like, cattle line right. to get to the table. But there was this woman who uh, who couldn't get in the line because she was in a wheelchair. And uh, as I was going by, he, uh, he like, popped out from behind the curtain and went over and said hello to her and uh, he's, signed some stuff and then and then, and then jumped back under the curtain. He's he's like that. Yeah. He's very um, into making his fans happy. Yeah. He'll do anything. He doesn't okay. care. Uh, well, starting with what most of us would know, Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. And uh, most... Was he Henry? Yeah. And he's in the Guardians of the Galaxy movies. He's the blue guy. Yondu. Uh, I haven't seen it yet either. Oh, well, it's fun. It's fun. I, I've heard that. I do yeah. intend to see it. But if it's ever on and I'm in the same room, I'll yep. give it's, it a watch. Uh, stop doing uh, what you're doing. Of eye candy. And I probably funny. won't stop what I'm doing. <laughs> I, I want to get Tony Todd at some convention. I haven't been at a convention oh, yeah. with him yet. Yeah. And I want to get him to do a bumper for us because that voice. Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Just say his name three times, maybe he'll yeah, appear. Yeah, we can get him in here right now. Yeah. Tony Todd. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I haven't watched anything because I'm getting ready for Walker Stalker. So okay. Excellent. Yeah, it was good, though. I mean, um, sold a lot of stuff, and uh, it was cool. So mm-hmm. uh, made a little money. We could invest that into something cool like, I don't know, a submachine gun. <laughs> I don't know. Who doesn't need one of those? So, Julian, what have you seen, if anything? Uh, I saw, uh, in terms of horror, I saw Behind the Mask, The Rise of Leslie Vernon, 2006, with Robert England. Nice. Our buddy from the convention. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he, he appears in it as this kind of Van Helsing sort of thing. And and uh, Kane Hodder, is, he has a cameo in it as well. And uh, uh, Zelda Rubinstein from Poltergeist. Oh, okay. Uh 
Yeah, and it's got a really good performance by Nathan Bass. Or did you have you heard about this movie? I've heard of this. It's kind of kind of like Scream. It's a very postmodern slasher. Yeah, where he's he's uh, he's modelling himself on. It's as if Michael Myers and Jason Voorhees are, and Freddy are running. You know, they're they're out there in the country, oh, okay. in their, their own towns, doing whatever. And and uh, so he's trying to model himself on them. And he's there's this film crew that's following him around, and he's uh, he's teaching them all the tricks that you have to do to set up a good uh, horror movie. slash. Uh, well, not a horror movie. He's actually yeah, planning but an on actual killing people. Killing. They they uh, so. To set it up so that it follows all the usual slasher movie patterns, and uh, you know, so he's he's working out and he's he's rigging all these tricks to get people kind of nervous, and then <laughs> and then he's he you know he he knows where they're going to end up for the party, and uh, so he's got all these tricks rigged up there to separate them all out. Um, so it's kind of funny, and it's also really sinister because uh, the film crew realizes that yeah he's he's going to do this he's really intent on doing this and you and then at a certain point uh yeah they have to decide whether they're gonna go along with it or not oh, okay so uh yeah that's quite interesting i'm gonna have to watch that it sounds like a good one yeah that's quite good uh i also saw the remake of m from 1951 joseph Losey. Oh, yeah have you seen either of those no. i've seen the original so it's based on the uh was it like 31 i think M yeah yeah the original one with peter laurie mm-hmm. fritz lang fritz movie lang, classic yeah. um and it's based on an actual case of this guy who lured men back to his pad and then killed them in an extremely horrible way yeah um but uh in the in the movies he's a child killer mm-hmm. which is more acceptable than homosexuals <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> yeah, things things have gone really up and down uh, with homophobia over history, haven't yeah, they? Uh, yeah, I don't understand. Now maybe you couldn't get away with it. <laughs> yeah, Child you killer could make it again. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But the original is fantastic. Right, right. Watched it several times. Uh, and the remake, you know, it's pretty good. It's, it's like that kind of bland documentary 50s photography. Oh, okay. There's some, there's some nice shots in it. And it ends up at the Bradbury building. Oh, Which you remember nice. from... Blade Runner and Outer Limits. Double Indemnity. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I recommend that one. And uh, I saw um, uh, last year's uh, film of Macbeth with Michael Fassbender. Oh, how was it? Really good. Really okay. good. Yeah, I think I it's one of my favorite films from last year. Uh, yeah, he's, he's playing the, he's playing Macbeth as if he's got like PTSD. And uh, so the supernatural isn't necessarily there. Uh, but the witches are pretty cool. Uh, they're, they're like this, uh, the you know the crone, the uh-huh. adult, and the child. Yeah, you know it's like the Celtic. What witch? set up? <laughs> uh, and, they, and then they've got this kind of scarification across the uh, like the glabella. Um, the bridge of your nose. And then um, the place where the monobrow would go. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Marion Cotillard is Lady Macbeth. Hmm. She's oh. she's really good. Excellent. And the the film is is really smartly done. Oh, very uh, nice. Really, really nice looking film. And uh, for her big soliloquy, you know, out damn spot. Yeah. The camera basically just locks off and lets lets her face do all the. Is it all? They didn't update Shakespeare, did they? 
No, I mean, it, the it, setting and everything. Yeah, so the it's set in medieval Scotland. Okay. And the, the delivery is, is the problem because they kind of try to do this naturalistic kind of mumble chord delivery. Oh, no. So you need subtitles on, especially when they're all doing Scottish accents. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was, I, I need subtitles on for that one. But, All right. Uh, it's got um, uh, Banquo as Paddy Considine and uh, Macduff is played by Sean Harris, and they were both in uh, this uh, miniseries called Red Riding. Oh yes. Have you heard of that? It's like this really grim that thing about the Yorkshire police. That was one that I needed uh, subtitles for. Yeah. Because <laughs> I could not make them out. Right. Usually, I don't have a problem making them out. Um, usually, it comes down to a problem of people mumbling or just the dialogues too quiet and mm-hmm. everything else is loud but yeah red writing uh, wow i couldn't <laughs> get through it it yeah, was it's harsh it's very harsh <laughs> very bleak i scribble these down when i'm editing <laughs> got this whole list uh, it's a good way to do it i saw this kind of noirish one called nightmare um from 56 with uh, kevin mccarthy and uh, edward g robinson Mm, it's been familiar. filmed like three times. It's from this Cornell Woolrich story um, okay. uh, about this. Uh, so Kevin McCarthy is this like jazz composer, clarinetist, uh-huh. who's who thinks he's cracking up because he's having these nightmares and then objects from his nightmare are appearing okay. in his room and, and so on. He's, and he's, he's got injuries from his nightmare. And so it's kind of like uh, as if Freddie's, gotten back into the 50s nice <laughs> but um, that's a good one <laughs> but uh yeah uh but uh, I, I i won't give it away but it's not freddy okay <laughs> actually i'll have to watch that sorry one. to spoil it it's a good that's a good reminder for us to do a spoiler warning if, if somehow you haven't seen the exorcist we will be talking about how it ends right it but, was all a dream <laughs> and then i saw um knock knock which is the eli roth film. how was it Really good. Oh, I think okay. it's his best one. Oh, yeah. excellent. Yeah. Have you seen that one? I haven't. I've not seen that Keanu one. Keanu Reeves. I've only heard two types of opinion on this. People loving it or hating it. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Very polarized reactions. I thought it was really good. It really taps into angst. Good. About, um, it's like immediately you know that there's going to be adultery in, involved. And, uh, you know, there's, there's a dog that's under threat. So I was like right from the get-go I'm like oh what's gonna happen and then um didn't you uh, go to does the dog die.com no I, I did not but i was watching it by myself so i thought all right you only had to consider your own feelings yeah okay see how far this goes um and then uh um it's it's got uh you, you know this house is full of sculptures uh, and there's terrible things <laughs> happen to all the artwork in this house and, oh um, yeah, uh, it's basically a home invasion thing. It's a remake of this uh, '70s movie called Death Game, and uh, so in Knock Knock, uh, there's uh, Lorenzo Idso, who's who she was in. Lots of people from Green Inferno in this. Is like mm-hmm. it was also shot in Chile. Yeah, um, and uh, Anna de I forget her name now. Anna de Nanas. Uh Yeah, she's really good. But anyway, they, there's a couple of women turn up at his house when his rest of his family's gone away and uh he's 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 like working there on his architecture thing and and uh they they get in um you know to use his computer and stuff 
to because they say they're lost mm-hmm. and uh you know games ensue <laughs> it gets yeah it, it's uh it's funny and it's really tense oh excellent yeah. this is good to know because i i trust your opinion better than most of the other ones i've heard so i thought it was really well done i'll watch it it's a good cast i'll give it a shot if you if you like keanu reeves He's so good in this. He's he's really vulnerable. Yeah. He messes up big time. Oh, fantastic. Um he gets into really extreme situations. Those those out, ones out where you can't control. you can't put that toothpaste back in the tube. No. Nope. No. I've never had a problem with Keanu. No, I've I've, I've always I've, liked him. Yeah, he's always been all right. Yeah. yeah. I even like that Constantine movie he did. Yeah. Never saw that. I enjoyed The Matrix and uh, Bill and Ted. <laughs> He's been in a couple other things. <laughs> yeah. Uh, John Wick is a good one. Yeah, I like that yeah. one. Um, what was the one where he was... Uh, you know, he should have been in the remake of The Wicker Man. <laughs> oh, no one could save that film. No. <laughs> oh, save it. <laughs> Nicolas Cage made that film. It was... Yeah, he, he's fun to watch. Yeah, I'd I'd have liked to see uh, Don Rickles in that as well. Oh man, yeah, Nicolas Cage can really turn it up. That movie is. I can't believe I've watched that movie more than I've watched the original, just because it's so <laughs> <Really>? bad. <laughs> the original, once you watched it, I mean, it loses some of its impact because you know where it's going. Mm-hmm. The Nicolas Cage one, every time you watch it, you're like, I know where it's going, but I don't know why. Oh, this is it's a bit surprising. Where yeah. So many more layers. Oh, here's where he dresses as a bear and runs through the town punching women. What? <laughs> I'm so going to watch that based on that. Oh, you've oh. not seen it? No. Oh, my I, God. I, I know you love the, the British one, but. Yeah. Oh. oh, man, it makes no sense. It is a fever dream of a film. Yeah. <laughs> so they need to put that in one of those little wreath logos on the video box. Yeah. A fever dream of a film. Let's talk about The Exorcist. Or did we get through your list? I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's talk about it. So, um, Jolien, when did you first see it? Did its reputation precede it is a good uh, question. Yeah, too. definitely. It's it a reputation as being this terrifying horror classic. Clive Barker thought it was terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I saw it, and uh, I was not scared at all. I thought, "What am I missing?" Yeah, I thought it was a really good movie, really right. well made, and I still, you know, I've watched it several times. Right, but uh, it's never scared me. Well, yes. how about you? Uh, of the three devil movies, I like to put together the, here if I could: the Omen. Rosemary's Baby, <laughs> and The Omen. Right, with this. This is my least favorite of them. Yes. I found I find this movie boring. It is beautifully <laughs> made. Um I would kill for a movie this well made put out now. It'd mm-hmm. be interesting, yeah. but good luck. <laughs> what it comes down to is mostly a girl in makeup rolling around on her bed swearing for <laughs> an hour. It's really dull. Or as I called it college. <laughs> as I called it, college. <laughs> so, um, 
I'm going to guess Rosemary's Baby is the top of your list then? Then, then, then the Omen or is it a fight yeah, for first place? fight for first there. I, I think as a bit of filmmaking, Rosemary's Baby has got that yeah. classic Hitchcockian craft to yeah. it. Uh, but I think out omen, of all of them... The Omen oh, scares me every time. The Omen is, uh, yeah, it's freaky and it's fun every time I watch it. And one of the things about The Exorcist is like if you watch the uh, documentaries and things like that you have uh the makers of it like blatty and freaking saying it's not a horror movie and they resent people calling it a horror movie oh what do they classify like, it uh think of it as a like um religious you know question of faith or i could see that i, I can see that it being that too yeah oh too yeah I, but I it's mean, uh, totally. it's a horror movie yes it is yeah and it's <sighs> There's the jump shocks and oh, yeah. gross shocks and people and creeping they, around in the dark. When they put it back out, I didn't notice this time, but uh, one of the anniversaries showing, they remastered it. And I remember they put new scenes in and it'd be like the devil's face would pop up yeah. in just like a flash yeah. in the middle of a scene or something. Yeah, and the, and the original cut, the only time I noticed it was when uh, uh, Damien... Karos has his nightmare and mm-hmm. he sees his mother coming up out of the subway. Yeah. And then you get a flash. But in the uh, like the extended edition you see you see quite a longer like flash off. Yes. The face when uh uh Regan's in the hospital the mm-hmm. first time. And then it also turns up over the um extractor over the oven when <laughs> uh Chris comes home. Just after the uh, director's killed himself or, or yeah. been killed. Uh, she's like standing in the kitchen. The lights are flickering. And then in one of the flickers, you see the face the over, face the, up over the oven extractor. Yeah, they <laughs> they extended it on one of those too long, I remember. Mm-hmm. And we went and watched it in the theater. And I and my friend started laughing because it, it wasn't shocking, really. It was just more, <laughs> what the... What was that? <laughs> so, so when did you see it? I'm sure I saw a television edit first. Um, because yeah, I think I'm it hit, pretty sure that's what I, I saw first. Yeah, it, hit, it hit television, I think, 1980, if I remember correctly. In England, you couldn't see it for quite a while. Because of the video nasties thingy. Yeah, I don't know what what happened. But yeah, it but took quite a while. You have to play English demons if you have a film. They're, they're much more polite than American yeah. demons. Well, uh, there's, there was a British crew involved in this because uh, the uh, the opening scenes where they go to Iraq, uh, America didn't have uh, diplomatic relations with Iraq at the time. Oh, I wondered about that. So uh, he had to take a British crew in to film ah. those bits. And then he had to go around doing his best Dick Van Dyke accent to pass himself off as British. <laughs> Of course, I am referring to the great British actor who starred in the Chitty Chitty Bang Bang movie. So, and Mary Poppins. And Mary Poppins, yes. Um, the, that's my favorite part of the movie is the, the beginning of this. It's great. It's beautiful, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. When they get to Georgetown, I'm like, oh, why did you leave the decent part of the movie? Well, they and, did a nice job of portraying these, these nice fall afternoons, you know, with the leaves blowing. Halloween. Oh, it, it, yeah, it's a great looking yeah. Yeah. The movie, fantastic looking yeah. and everything. It's just, it is 
a little boring. I think the first time I, I got to see it with all the, the proper dialogue where, where it belongs was, I'm sure, on VHS. But uh, mm -hmm. there was a television edit. And these were the days, you know, when this movie came out, these were the days when um, we weren't inundated with so much. And the stuff that could maybe, quote unquote, desensitize you was stuff you wouldn't see. Like you wouldn't happen across unless you lived in a major city that had one of those cool kind of rundown theaters. You wouldn't run across in the in the late 70s, early 80s, movies such as um, Cannibal Holocaust or even like midnight showings of things like Night of the Living Dead where you actually see the, you know, the entrails and all that stuff. You wouldn't run across that. Like certainly... You had to work to get desensitized. You did, yes, yes. Not like now, you just punch some words into the Google. And... Yeah, pretty soon you've seen stuff so hardcore that you need to see something even more hardcore. Yeah. So that being said, uh, the reputation did precede itself quite well for me because I was a, a small child when it came out. And uh, you would hear about movies such as The Godfather and Godfather 2, where, you know, when it came time for all the assassinations that take place and Mo Green gets shot through the eye, mm -hmm. that was the most startling thing you could have seen on film up to that point. And now that happens on... Uh, you know, the like AMC on cable and it even happens on network, too, I'm sure, where someone gets shot through an eye and it's no big deal. Like the, the most shocking thing I think I ever saw on television uh, happened in the 80s when they had the TV miniseries Shogun. Mm. And one of the guys either doesn't bow or he doesn't bow far enough. And the warlord uh, lops his head off, he just draws a sword and lops his head off just suddenly and without warning. It was shocking because you didn't see it coming, and it was shocking because you saw someone's head come off. Mm -hmm. And now decapitations happen, oh, dozens of times a day on television. <laughs> dozens of times a day. People's heads are it's, falling it's, off. It's, it's especially yeah, surprising on the Food Network. <laughs> yeah. It is. <laughs> or the Muppets, you know. <laughs> so anyway, uh, all that uh, kind of goes to the, you know, the thing I, I went off one time on our podcast about how you know, the, the consumerism when we were talking about um, Dawn of the Dead. You know, it, it used to cost you some money, some hours of wages to buy a shirt, a button-up shirt. And now it's just like, eh, you know, <laughs> you can get one for six or eight bucks. <laughs> so you're saying that cheap shirts and decapitations are commonplace now? They are. They're okay. tied together somehow. <laughs> so, while we're talking about the, the well, semi-talking about the start of The Exorcist, <laughs> right. uh, another... I noticed a link to the movie we watched last time. Uh, oh, uh, Haxon. 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 What was the connection? Pazuzu's in both of them. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That statue. That statue, yeah. Is in. It's in Haxon, Haxon isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. That's. <laughs> that, that very four-winged. Yeah. Kind of Sticking statue. a paw up in the air. Yeah, with yeah. a serpent. Whatever that. Dragon demon thingy thing really is called i wonder yeah well that uh that kind of imagery um was very striking then and now again we've now you got you know demon gods wandering around lopping <laughs> people's heads off and selling the cheap ass shirts <laughs> times have changed we got, we got demon gods in our cereal boxes man yeah you know yeah so i saw cthulhu just 
a couple hours ago, I think. Adorable little toy, Cthulhu's. <laughs> and the other cool thing about this beginning is you get like 12 minutes where you, you don't get any English dialogue at all. Oh, I love that. That was fantastic. Yeah. Probably a bold move back then. Yeah. I think it's a bold move now. I mean, they did that on the latest Better Call Saul. The whole opening is just no dialogue. They have music, but which is different. And I don't remember. The Exorcist didn't have any music. Did Very it? minimal music. Yeah. I really like the opening of this film, mm. and I like it. Like I said, till they get to Georgetown. Right. I mean, you don't you don't get the tubular bells until uh, like uh, Chris is coming back from the film shoot. Right. Oh yeah, so it's, yeah. It's quite far into the movie. Yeah. And and I like the stuff in Georgetown. I mean, it's it's interesting enough, but. I really wish it continued mm. in well, northern the, Iraq. Uh, um, Lalo Schifrin started writing a score for it, and he scored the uh, the initial trailer. And he, you know, he wrote about six minutes of music. Yeah. But he had a kind of dispute with Friedkin. Ah. Oh. And uh, yeah, so uh, I can't say what happened because he he can't say uh, the, mm. the, some kind of legal. Oh, thing going on, but uh, yeah, that that soundtrack up a got abandoned, <laughs> and uh, and then Freakin heard um, Freakin or Freakin, I, I keep saying Fre- it different ways. Freakin, Freakin. He he heard the Mike Oldfield album, and he thought yeah. that would be perfect for That's some of the scenes. Fit. And Mike Oldfield was like, "Oh, it's supposed to be whimsical and nice. What are you doing with my song, man?" <laughs> oh, it, it's. It's so classic, you know, it, it, it kind of sets a mood that nothing else does. Like mm. that music could creep you out just yeah. hearing it back then. Not now, not now in my cheap button up shirt with my, <laughs> with my Pazuzu <laughs> action figures and my, my decapitations. I saw three decapitations on my way to work. Only three? It, it was an easy. It was a slow Wednesday. Well, well it's spring break week, so. Oh, yeah. yeah. So all the kids are not out yet. You know, they don't get out till about 11 a.m. That's when all the decapitating starts. Man. So this thing gets going. And um, did you notice that that we're getting a lot of this, like you said, with no with no dialogue and maybe no music? We're getting kind of a lot of an understanding of the character, the old man, this mm-hmm. archaeologist or whatever he is. So we're just getting a look at him and we get, we feel like we know him. Right. And then he's got tea and heart pills, it looks like. Yeah. Yeah, they're uh, apparently nitroglycerin pills. Yeah. So so he's uh so he's frail enough with his health. Do you know how old he was at the time? Uh the actor. Oh, this he's 16. <laughs> I'm going to guess he was like 55, 44. Was he? Oh my god, he looks so yeah. old. Cuz uh, yeah, he's in Dick Smith makeup. You know, yeah. Oh, okay. I'm the best old man makeup in the business. Apparently, yeah, he looks really good. Yeah, I, I I was just completely convinced, you know, for the first few times I saw this movie, and then they and then I some... saw like Flash Gordon, and I thought he looks younger, and it, it's like eight eight years onwards or seven so he years sold onwards. He sold the Pazuzu, <laughs> <laughs> and then I saw the like the, uh, like the Ingmar Bergman films he'd been in, and I realized oh he, he must have been pretty young, and looked up how old he was, and yeah, he's only forty four in The Exorcist. Wow, did did you notice the um the barking uh, kind of wrestling dogs that, mm-hmm. that he witnessed yeah. seemed to show up in uh, Father Karras's um, dream, dream sequence with his mother going 
down and up the subway. Yeah, there's that one black yeah. dog. Yeah. It, doesn't it seem like their dreams were tied together? Yeah. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, so he was um, walking through that market and almost got run over. And the, <laughs> another age fact. <laughs> <laughs> that car, there's this woman in there. And that woman at the time was apparently 109. Really? Just handling Being the cart? Jostled around for take after take. They probably killed her doing probably. that scene. Probably. <laughs> she got she a was an old woman in the studio, Island. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he had to get permission because he was like, right, was ruled by the Baathists. Yeah. So he had to get the special permission to go in. Because when did uh, Saddam take he was, over? He was later. But he's, he's from the same party. 70, yeah, I can't remember when Saddam did. Yeah, the mid seventies. Yeah, the Islamic Revolution was late seventies. Well, that was in Iran, though. We're right, but I mean that that whole oh, yeah, mentality spread through the region pretty quickly. Started in one place and it spread to another. It's kind of funny because, like, if you saw footage now of people in Tehran, they would all be wearing very um, traditional clothing. But when the revolution started, when they took the American hostages, they were all dressed kind of like Americans. Oh, yeah. The street, they, the street clothes they were wearing. Look up uh, Afghanistan uh, in the 70s sometime on the Internet. Yeah. And it is a different world. Oh, yeah. It's so 1970s. <laughs> yeah, it's like the American 1970s only you off know, a little bit. Feathered hair and big collars. It No, it's exactly like American 1970s. <laughs> it was kind of crazy. So when we when we do finally leave the Middle East, it cuts to um, this actress uh, at home, and uh, and she's she's with her daughter and uh, Ellen they, Burstyn. Yeah, Ellen Burstyn, and um, and she's she's playing Chris. All right, what was Chris's mm-hmm. last name as an actress? Let's see, it's oh, it's in here somewhere. Anyway, Chris, we could call her. We're on a first name basis. We know her. We've seen her enough times. Um, so it it shows her at home with her daughter, and then then it go and it cuts to the um, film set where they're, Is it they're McNeil. McNeil, that's what it was, Chris McNeil. So um, so then it cuts to uh, her on the film set, and they're filming something where there's a political demonstration. Yeah. And maybe it's not clear if you're not paying close attention that it's it's actually a film set, and uh, and then when she's um she's heading home on this perfect fall day, which happens to be Halloween the old field tune kicks in mm-hmm. tubular bells and that right there defines kind of the mood of the of the movie it, it, there, there's something kind of uh, alluring and mysterious about it but not spooky they're not trying to freak you out with this music but once you've seen the movie well at least back then wearing your expensive shirt um, that would haunt you like if you heard just a little bit of that music you'd be like you know hopefully you're not home alone at night because you might get freaked out not anymore, but back then. Yeah, and, and you can, uh, and it feels like Carpenter because you've got that repetitive electronic keyboard. Right. Yeah. You've got the leaves blowing and the old houses. Yes. And yeah. Halloween costumes. People very moving Halloween. along and, and no dialogue. Yes, it's the other way around though. Right. <laughs> Halloween is very exorcisty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I think they they did a nice a nice job there, and and you kind of wonder, well, you know, who is she? in this film set and then you hear her talking about it and she says it's like the walt disney version of of the ho chi minh story (laughs) is what she says 
Yes. And, uh, oh, that's right. About so, the, the movie she's making. Right. So she's not impressed with it. No. So she's happy to get the check, I'm sure, but not impressed with it. So uh, the other note that I made about this whole little thing where she was walking on the nice fall day is like, actual garbage cans in a city. Wow. <laughs> what is this? Because <laughs> each one's different. And they're all beat up and you yeah. to, they're made of metal and you have to drag them out. Not these, you know, nice bins. I bought a nice metal trash can. Somebody stole it. Oh, it's probably the cast of Stomp. Probably, or the Blue Man Group. <laughs> right. Well, they'll steal your PVC pipe, for sure. Yeah. So, uh, at that point in the movie, uh, yeah, I feel like they've kind of uh, introduced, you know, the, the, the priest, one of the priest characters, and then the actress and her daughter. So, we've kind of, we've gotten our little introductions. But in the extended cut, the very first shots are, are uh, the house she's renting, and then the uh, statue of the Madonna in the church. Um, so it shows you right off what the two institutions are that are going to be under threat. Did they show the desecrated statue or before it no, was desecrated? it's just like a, the uh, Madonna's like in close up okay. on the right of the screen. And it's just, it's, it's, you know, it's just a few seconds. And right. then, it, then it goes into the titles. I thought, I thought whoever graffitied that, you know, whoever desecrated that statue did a really hilarious job. It looked like the Joker did it. <laughs> yeah, it's like Tim Burton's yeah, Tim, desecration. Tim Burton. It's like these these like stripy <laughs> spiral spirals. breasts. Yeah. And, and a big weird banana dong paper mache thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we yeah, can make miniatures of, of that. That'd, yeah. that'd be nice to put that on a dashboard, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the desecrated exorcist church that it's a bit of a deep cut for most people. <laughs> Uh, one, one of the things I had at the convention were the, the reproductions of the nudes from Dick Halloran's wall in The Shining. And I had a little sign explaining what it was with a picture of Dick Halloran with those things hanging on his wall. You know, Scatman Crothers character. And people would still ask me, oh, what's that? Is that from Jackie Brown or something? Come on now. Anyway, I digress it's as too usual. obscure. So, um... So we, we meet um, Father Karras kind of um, next, and uh, you think he's going home to maybe this little tenement. Damien Karras. Damien. See, isn't that lovely that his name's Damien? <laughs> um, yeah, of... you ought to check under his hair. Yeah. <laughs> well, you don't get much of a chance because <laughs> it ends up splattered on those steps. <laughs> yeah. Good piece of glass jutting out of the back of his head. Oh, it's crazy, isn't it? <laughs> And that, and apparently the the stuntman had to wear like some sort of a bag of blood and, and puncture it just before taking the tumble so it would mm. s- spill out and smash out. That's an he, amazing stunt. It it looks pretty good. Yeah, they just put yeah. like a strip of foam on the steps. They're like, you'll be all right. Yeah. You'll <laughs> be fine. Keep your head off the steps when you go down. <laughs> yeah. So um, so you, you think he's living in this modest apartment and it turns out that he's taking care of his mother. Mm-hmm. And so you see pictures of, you know, the family and whatnot, these old photos and him as a boxer. So yeah. when, you know, we get that background on him that he's he's a scrapper. He likes to stay in shape. He he's goes, a psychiatrist and a pugilist and a priest. <laughs> they all walk into a bar and that's just the first guy. <laughs> so he goes for like these long runs around a track. At a college or whatever. Uh, yeah. Was, um, is that uh, 
the Georgetown yeah, campus. With, yeah, with the bulldog for a mascot. Yeah. yeah, whatever that one's called. Georgetown. Georgetown. Yeah, that's what it's called. <laughs> that's why I can't think of it. It's too obvious. Then he has a smoke afterward. <laughs> of course, it was the 70s. You go for a jog, you light up. Yeah. You're a doctor talking to Does somebody he? at a conference table, you light one up. Mm-hmm. So he jogged, you see him jogging around the track, and then Lee J. Cobb is the detective who turns yeah. up. And then they go off and they're talking. Then he, he's, I don't remember him smoking. Okay. Well, I, I don't remember if he smoked right then, but it seemed like he, he was smoking at some at some opportunities that didn't seem appropriate to the fact that he was just just exercising. I know I've seen that in other 70s things. Oh, yeah. You know, somebody mm. will go for a jog and then they'll stop and have a cigarette. Or yeah. They'll play tennis and they'll stop and have a cigarette. I oh, see. yeah, you see them standing in the hospitals like doctors. Oh, and so man, that's the that's just dashing right into the patient. <laughs> <laughs> tap, tap. It's, a, it's nice and moist. It'll, it'll, if you yeah. were awake, you had to smoke a cigarette in the hospital. <laughs> Them's were the rules, man. Them's were the rules. Put your fancy shirt on, get a cigarette. Yeah, you paid a lot for that shirt, you know. You're going to wear it while you're in the hospital. You're, you're going to want to look sharp wearing that shirt while you smoke. And, and they, they had ashtrays literally everywhere. And rather than be offended that someone was smoking you know, too close to a building, people would be offended that there wasn't an ashtray close enough to them. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. You remember smoking on planes? Oh, yeah. Did you ever fly on a plane when they still smoked? Oh, man. Yeah, for years. And then they had the no smoking section, but you're in a metal <laughs> tube with all these people That's smoking old. two feet away. Yeah. All the air circu- you know, recirculated. It didn't make sense, did it? Like, no. I think everybody smelled like smoke. Oh, yeah. Everything was burnt. Had little... All, all the ceilings were yellow. Uh-huh. Every house. I imagine in the 40s, every surface of everything has cigarette burns on it. Oh, yeah. Because I know I've seen old carpets and I'm like... Yep. Yep. Dropped a cigarette. <laughs> Yeah, people would think nothing of it. I mean, you would have to specifically tell them no smoking. In Don't your put house. your cigarette out on my dinner plate. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, uh, when we when we've met um, Father Karras, uh, Damien, in the apartment with his mother, there's a scene where he kind of tucks her in, and I noticed at least on the Netflix play of this that it got really staticky, like it was a really bad transfer for just that one scene, like for that that one part of that scene. Okay. And I, I didn't of, notice that. I watched the Netflix. Did you? Yeah, I've just yeah. been watching it on Blu-ray for the first time. I, I was yeah. quite happy. Finally, something we watched was on Netflix. <laughs> Isn't it weird? <laughs> It'll be either it was on there, it's no longer on there, or it comes out the week after we watch it. Right. Where did it go? You know. I think Ex Machina came on the week after we watched it. Yeah, oh. isn't that crazy how that happens? Well, oh, um, Exorcist 2 is on TCM is it this weekend. I've never or... seen any of the, of the other Exorcists. I think I've seen all of them. If you want one that stays in at the original archaeological dig, then there's The Beginning, I think it's called. Yeah. Uh, Rene Harlan on its awful. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> But Exorcist 2, yeah, that's coming up on TCM. And they're also showing uh, on the 13th, they have like a Weimar film oh, evening. Excellent. So they have like a, a documentary about uh, 20s German films. And then they have Cabinet and Dr. Caligari, Nosferatu, Fantastic. Faust. 
All yeah. of those are good. Yeah. I wish I had that channel. Did you feel? <laughs> did you feel like the Ouija board played any part in this? Well, yeah, because that's the first time you see something that's definitely occult. supernatural, yeah. isn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Some, it, some tool like the, of the occult. The planchette suddenly jumps to an yeah. end. Yeah. So, so that does seem to not be reacting to her, but that seems to be maybe the portal she opened up to get possessed. I mean, that, that's uh, kind of how I read it. But Well, it doesn't explain why the she's she's the target. That, yeah. That, it's in the novel, I think. Yes, it is in the novel. I don't remember what it was, but I do remember reading the novel. And, and she's being used to hit out at the... Uh, the uh, priest, Max, yeah. the Maximum of Tito, what's his name? Um, uh, Mer- is it Maris? Merrin. 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 Yeah. Um, but why her? Yeah, yeah I, I've every time I watch this movie, I think yeah. I miss something. I mean, they they're not going to use someone in Iraq because they you, know, you presume that audiences wouldn't care about yeah a foreigner. Well, in being in, possessed, but in in within the story itself, they probably wouldn't think to go to Christianity for an exorcism anyway, because mm. likelihood is there wouldn't be Christians. Well, uh, but they'd have exorcism rituals of their own, yeah. But uh, if if uh, Pazuzu wants to get specifically to um, uh, Marin, <laughs> Pazuzu was so, you know. <laughs> It's a Dr. Seuss-sounding demon name, isn't it? It does sound, yeah. It was an actual demon, wasn't it? It was like a, an Assyrian plague demon. Yeah. Something like that. But I could only take over a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> Why am I supposed to be afraid of that? You can yeah. open drawers. Have you known any teenage girls? They're not much better than Regan here. The vomiting and the swearing. Right. The sweaty rolling around on the bed. You know, you could have just... Let it go. It would have run its course by the time she hit college. She'd be all right. And when she was into high school, no one would notice. Yeah, nobody's going to notice. It's the 70s. She's just being hormonal. Yeah. Well, that's, She's that's on like, the drugs. That's another thing this movie has in common with Haxon, which uh, I think The Exorcist is much more conservative than Haxon, which is like 50 years before. Yes. Um, it's treating women the same way as Haxon is criticizing. Mm-hmm. Uh, like they're all dismissed as hysterical. Like all the authority figures are male, and like whenever this, yes, and the women are, you know, they're always like going off and saying like, you know, just enraged and trying to get help, and the men are just like, mm-hmm. yeah, whatever, devil. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll take care of it. You don't get hysterical. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't want hysteria, would we? Yeah, on, on the uh, like, uh, um, when she goes to see. The doctor, the first time he says it's just a disorder of nerves. Yeah, and she's you know, and later, and she's she's saying, uh, you know, I was on the bed and it was like jumping up in the air, and he's saying, oh, it's just spasms. And... Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's it perfectly is. normal. I've seen this before. And when they when they do finally exhaust all their possibilities, and they suggest an exorcism, the doctors do one of them anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, he says. And I think I wrote it down, if I could find that in my notes. Um, but basically he says that... Um, yeah, they have this big meeting and there's all the doctors sitting around the table and he's he's like calmly saying to her that, yeah, we, we don't believe that there's anything supernatural, but because she does, 
an exorcism yes. might jolt her out of it. Yeah. Right. And they, they try, of course, hypnotism first, mm-hmm. you know, to see if it's just some sort of possibility of split personality or some kind of psychosis. Yeah. Hypnotism, which is so, you know, scientific, <laughs> really used to, to analyze this other thing that doesn't fit in the realm of science. So I found that note here. I have the note that says, Chris is in a room with 10 or so doctors. They all seem to think it's psychosomatic possession. The main doctor suggests an exorcism saying that it can work, although not for the reasons they think it does. Yes. They being the religious people. Mm-hmm. So Catholics. Yes. And uh, so, of course, as we know, the hypnotism doesn't work. And the exorcism only works at the end with a little twist, a little trick on the part of the priest. Well, the hypnotism kind of works because he like says, can I talk to whoever's inside? And then he, he gets, you know, painfully grabbed. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. She grabs and, his junk. And they, they do that shot where he falls back onto the floor and the camera follows his head down. As he yeah. Hits the floor. Yeah, the ball grab scene. Um, and apparently Eileen Dietz was doing the body double work there. Um, the ball grabbing. Yeah, and and she didn't know what a cup was. They said, "Oh, he's gonna he's gonna be wearing a cup," and she <laughs> she thought he was a little aroused or something at first when she ah! did the grab. <laughs> there's a there's a whole website of behind the scenes stuff <laughs> about the Exorcist. <laughs> so, uh, but I guess he was probably happy that that it was um, a little safer. That couldn't be good. Like, have uh, either of you seen Repossessed? No. Um, How is it? Is it the Leslie Nielsen? Yes, it's it's horrible. It's awful, <laughs> awful. I think film. I might have seen it, but put it out of my mind. Oh yeah, it's really bad. But watching this made me want to rewatch it. No, I know that movie was terrible. <laughs> so, it, what year was that approximately? Nineteen eighty-eight. Eighty-eight. Okay. I don't know for sure, but somewhere in that sounds like a good year for that movie. Yeah. And that preceded all of those. Um, those horror movie parodies that that we yeah don't, I assume you guys don't like them either. Who like oh, um, scary movie? Scary movie, and then another haunted I, house. The film. first scary movie was all right. I like the woman in that. The lead woman, she's Hannah, she's good at doing playing things straight. Yeah, whatever her name is. Hmm. I don't remember. Can't think of her last. Name. I guess to be fair, I could rewatch that one. That one's pretty good. So um, before all that doctor stuff, though, um, uh, Chris McNeil uh, hears something upstairs. She and her daughter hear something, and you think, oh, no, is there a demon moving stuff around in the attic? And for whatever reason, they don't know that there's their maintenance guy or whatever he is, gardener, maintenance guy, is up there messing around. Klaus or Karl. Yeah, something with a K. They've got this German couple looking after them. And uh, she gets startled by him saying, no rats. Yeah. So he's looking for rats in the attic. Yeah. And did her candle hit some cobwebs? Is that what well, that flame it, was? It just suddenly flares up. There's this huge gout of flame from her candle. Yeah. yeah what was that? It, it was just a the shock supernatural. effect. Supernatural. Like, well, ooh, I spooky. wonder. I wonder if it was supposed to be the supernatural or supposed to be a big. Well, then they didn't. They don't mention it. No. They act like it didn't happen. Like if my if I was holding a candle and it, and it blew up in my face, I was like. Yeah, it had about a foot and a half tall flame shot off of it. Yeah, it was weird. I'd at least want to know what they're packing their candles with at the, wherever I bought it. Yeah, you need to warn people about that stuff. You know, 
Yeah. Whenever possible. Promise a pleasant scent and it blows your eyebrows off. Yeah. So the drunk guy at the party was the supposed to be the director of the movie. Yeah. With the, that had the demonstration. Burke something. Yeah. Yeah, Burke. I don't remember the last time I was that drunk at a party. <laughs> he <laughs> that, was that, that you're insulting the. Oh yeah. The help. Yeah. The help. <laughs> I've never done that. No. Um, but uh, this is the this is the iconic scene where you know something's really gone wrong with with the girl. She comes down the stairs and tells the guy, "You're gonna die up there." Yeah, and, the astronaut. Yeah, and then she pees on the floor. Yes. <laughs> what I thought was pretty funny was the housekeeper is like scrubbing the floor <laughs> later. I'm thinking it's not too different from water. You don't need all that. Yeah, she's yeah. we've got a lather going. What have you never peed on a floor before? Come on now. Well, it was a 70s carpet, you know, that could be uh, three inches deep. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah, there were, there were entire families living in those carpets back then. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that that was kind of your introduction that something was going wrong. And then, of course, the jumping bed was next and all that kind of stuff. Apparently, Linda Blair got injured on the, the Wild West buckaroo bed. Um <laughs> It looked it looked pretty good. I mean, the, the practical. And think about this: it's all practical effects. Yeah, uh, everything oh. everything that you're seeing is what the actors were seeing at the time. Yeah, and the only thing that you know, the superimposed Pazuzu face in the microwave or whatever. Yeah, that's the only stuff that was kind of like an optical, you know, added in effect afterward, layering negatives or whatever. But everything else was practical effects and stunt people. Mm-hmm. Well, because they didn't have... Pea soup. <laughs> yeah, with oatmeal mixed in. Okay. <laughs> Carroty buckets of sick. Carroty buckets of sick. That was the brand. Yeah. Yes. CBS. So, uh, yeah, she kind of freaked out at the doctor's office and then you know, all the smoking and all the nonsense. Um, the, Apparently the hospital scenes are what, what really freaked some of the audiences out. For what reason? According to Ellen Burstyn, she was like, at some of the early showings and uh you know when it you know people weren't used to seeing close-ups of syringes going into oh, yeah. people and spurts of arterial blood and you know in a hospital situation oh you see that all the time now yeah yeah it's and like the, decapitation and the noises now. are really cranked up and everything yeah. you know, it's quite a traumatic yeah all the whirring situation and the... yeah and 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 she says that that's what was making people run out of the theater and wow yeah, that that was a time when medical technology was good but not great, and yeah, there were a lot of clunky machines that made a lot of noise that they could examine you and then tell you bad news afterward. And there, pro- <laughs> there probably wasn't uh, a lot of great ways to treat whatever they discovered was wrong with you. Mm. So I could see that being like, well, you got cancer. You want a cigarette? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, God, I wonder why I got cancer. Could it be all this smoke everywhere? <laughs> no. It's in the bank, it's in the grocery store, it's at the doctor's office. There's no escaping it. So, um, yeah, that uh, after all that hospital stuff, they do get back to the house and things are all weird with the flickering lights and um, the window is open. And apparently um, somebody was sent to pick up Thorazine. So they've mm-hmm. decided to just drug the girl. Yeah. Which didn't really work. Yeah, they give it Ritalin and then Thorazine. Yeah. None of that worked. So that should be your first hint that it's an evil car. <laughs> it's an evil car possessing your daughter. Yeah. Mike Oldfield's tubular bells played on a car horn. That's what I want to hear. Yeah, you, you never see who's driving, do you? No. In no. that movie. It's, 
It's the devil. Maybe it's Regan. It's <laughs> Regan. That would be great. Or Did they say Regan or Reagan in this film? I think I Regan. They it's, say Regan. It's Regan. Okay. Yeah. Which is good because it would be so distracting just a handful of years later when Ronald Reagan got elected president. <laughs> uh, I saw him in this bizarre movie recently uh, called Blue Skies. It's like this wartime uh, propaganda movie, and it's basically a film with a, this, the, this musical stage play. Yeah, and uh, he's he plays one of the uh, the army, you know, one of the soldiers who's putting on the show, and he so he's like, he doesn't actually perform on stage, but he's calling people on stage, and it's all done by men. So like, so much of the show is men dressed up as women, and it's really strange watching Ron Regan bring on all these like men dressed as women and 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 like a minstrel show and stuff like that. wow it's kind of weird and this was 1983 <laughs> <laughs> it was it was part of the uh, republican national convention oh man of course the footage you know just it doesn't hold up very well after all these years so um the detective he seems to be working that angle of yeah. uh I think something's fishy here. You know, that's kind of that yeah. 70s detective motivation. Yeah, he's always called cool to see uh, Lee J. Cobb. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just a famous character actor. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't much of a a main actor in things, was he? I can't remember him. No, I don't think so. I don't remember him. Yeah, he's always this kind of detective. Yeah. He, he could just live in that wardrobe Type. and just keep getting the next job, right? Yeah. <laughs> change, change the coat or the hat. Or yeah, whatever. he's like this film buff. Yeah. He kind of uh, he kind of befriends people while, like, uh, trying to you know, trying to get the uh, priest to break his oath yeah. and stuff like that. So, A little like Columbo. I felt the same way. Oh, and one more thing. Oh, and one more thing. <laughs> yeah. So he found um, he found the the little head of the demon statue next to the the death stairs. Is that what it is? I can't remember. I know he finds that. I thought it was going to turn out to be one of her clay models because he's he's looking at those when he goes into the house. Oh, I thought it was the Pazuzu it head. Was the Pazuzu head? I think it I was. I don't know what it was. I'd have to rewatch that. But hmm. but what's weird is the the police who investigated the scene didn't find it, but he did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like, wouldn't they be looking for stuff? Like, well, look, maybe there's a cause. Maybe there's a bloody hammer somewhere. Yeah. Or, this guy uh, fell down the stairs and his head got turned completely around. Yeah. I think there was a lot more of that back then before decapitations yeah. right. were yeah. in vogue. Yeah, it was kind of sticking their toe in the water to see how it did. Heads would mm-hmm. turn all the way around but not come off. Right. It, well, it was against the censorship uh, regulations of the time. So um, Yeah, I thought that with that little statue thing was the from the very, very beginning when... He's cleaning off that. Yeah, yeah, he gets, he get, yeah, he gets a little Pazuzu head out. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what I mean. The one that he yeah. kind of pulls it out I of that little that was, cave. Yeah, I thought that, that was... city they're excavating. That's an actual dig they were doing at the time. Oh, excellent! It was a city that was sacked by these invaders who uh, chopped off the heads of every human and all the statues in that city. So what they were pulling out of the ground were statue heads. Oh, okay. So they took no chances, <clears throat> cutting off all the heads. Yeah. That's, that's weird. That's, you know, it goes in and out of vogue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was the fashion at the time, the old cutting off the head. So the detective uh, visits Chris and talks about the uh, events 
of the night of the party. And um, it seems like this is right around the time where Chris and Regan are fighting. And uh, she's pretty much had enough and she's about to do the exorcism you know that that's where it's going to go at this point yeah and uh she i don't think she's much much help to um this detective he's got to figure things out for himself but i like how the uh the characters who bring the exorcism about are most uh they're they're the ones who you you'd expect to be the last ones Right, the doctors. Do you want something like that? So the doctors the, and the hard-nosed detective. Yes, yeah, so you've got the doctors, you've got the priest who's lost his faith, you've got, and you've got the atheist mother who you know, doesn't want harm to come to her daughter. Yeah. Right. And they're, they're the ones where you see the arc where they become the people who bring, it, bring the uh, ritual about. And it seems like, um, like the detective is very involved at this point. Because he really thinks he can uncover some, mm -hmm. some uh, uh, what do they call that? Some wrongdoing, and uh, it doesn't really seem like he's going to be very effective at this point. It just seems like he's going to dig a little bit and not find anything, or you know, he, he's, he's like onto the witchcraft angle really fast, isn't he? It's like yeah. the very first time you see him, he's talking to Damien and saying. It's witchcraft because this guy's head was turned completely around. You know, how did he get there? Exactly. And then the, the desecrated statue, he said, well, you know, that's the work of Satanists. Yeah, he just he just links these two things together. Or how did he say it? I don't know if I wrote this down or not. That uh, he, it's a, I don't know if he thought that the desecration was witchy and the killing was satanic or vice versa. <laughs> but uh, either way, it just seems like he's not going to be very effective, you know, the, the way he's going. And uh, but he's a nice touch, I thought. Um, at one point, uh, uh, I think Father Karras basically says that uh, exorcism's old-fashioned and it's not really done anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, that always seems to be kind of the attitude of people who are higher up in Catholic organizations in movies where there's a lot of you know, demonic public uh, uh, demonic uh, possession. I wonder if that was the case because it is really. It is still around yeah. in Catholic countries, especially. But I think it maybe goes hand in hand with, oh, my, my cell phone doesn't get a signal up here. <laughs> it's like they have to lay the groundwork of, of uh, yeah, well, you know, it's not really done anymore, and it's hard to find anyone who knows how to do it. And, uh, well, you know, let's just not talk about that. And then it becomes excruciatingly obvious that's what they need to do. So that being said, um, they like you said earlier, they've got a guy who's a... Um, is he a psychiatrist or a psychologist? He's a psychologist, isn't he? Father Karras. Can we just call him a shrink and generalize? <laughs> um, can he prescribe medicine? See, that's the thing. Is I don't think he I can. I think he can. No. So he's a psychologist. Yeah. Okay. So he knows about psychology and mental health. So um, finally, Chris uh, convinces him to go see for himself. And he's probably not expecting what he finds. <laughs> the green girl with the messed up face tied to a bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it doesn't call social services. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Instead, he takes a bottle of what what is supposedly holy water and flicks it at her. Yeah, and he just, he just sets his tape recorder running so that you can get proof of, you know, possession. Yeah. Verification or denial of the situation. Yeah. Either way. Like he wants to get a speaking in languages that she's not studied 
yeah. right as proof and then he throws holy water on her and makes his spasm you know hinges the poor girl he also asks something like somebody's name oh yeah or yeah i can't remember what my mom's name or something oh yeah yeah um uh yeah he hears various voices coming out of yeah regan and and then uh and then the this demon voice says uh your mother's in here with us and yeah. he says oh well what's her maiden name then yeah she knows it she doesn't she just pukes on him when he gets she, close yeah she doesn't ah, know it that's how she sidesteps the question Zuzu's a punk right <laughs> Uh, my favorite part of this of this little this little scene is where uh, he, he she says something. Well, the demon says something about uh, why don't you come here and loosen these straps or whatever. And he says, why don't you just make them disappear? Yeah, yeah. You know, if you're if you're Satan, if you're Satan, yeah. And the response was, that's a much too vulgar display of power. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, but you know, opening drawers, moving furniture, shaking the bed. Yeah, no, throwing up on a priest. No problem. <laughs> yeah. Making making uh, these tethers disappear. Yeah. No, that's that's the bridge too far. We're not doing that. Yeah. So um, this is kind of everything. You know, this this scene leads up to the vomit part, and then after that is when things get really crazy, and you know, a lot of levitation, and the room gets really cold when they bring in. Um, the old priest who was mm-hmm. actually not that old and wearing makeup. Uh, I had not seen the Virgin spring until about five oh, years ago. Fantastic. Yeah. Max von Sydow did a great job in that. Yeah. And uh, you want to see the seventh seal. That's my favorite movie. Yeah. Seventh seal. Yeah. So that's like a tie for first with Nosferatu. Well, Nosferatu is probably my favorite horror movie. Okay. My favorite movie overall is either the seventh seal or double indemnity. Depending on the mood I'm in. <laughs> so do you, feel, do you feel like you're a film noir fan first and foremost? Or uh, what, what's your favorite genre? I just like a good movie. Yeah, I'm, I'm not real picky about genre. I'm not wild about a lot of westerns, but that's even eased up now. I'll watch most westerns. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't really have a favorite genre. Um I suppose film noir is probably up there at the top. Is that something you have a decent collection of? No, actually I don't, but all of them, well, I can't say all of them, a decent amount of them are online. Oh, yeah? So, like, the Internet Archive has so many. So the ownership is kind of fuzzy on them, or? A lot of them have fallen. Public domain? Yeah. I w- yeah, I wish some of the really old stuff would just go into public domain because it is so old. You know, nobody's left alive who had anything to do with any of the movies. So, who cares? Let it go. Steamboat Willie. Yeah, that'll yeah, that's, never that's happen. that's the big thing. Every every time uh, Mickey Mouse comes up for public domain, they they change the, the yeah. laws. You can tell that Disney has a lot of influence because, you know, they're having laws changed to meet their needs. Yeah. Uh, I just kind of feel like we should just all get rubber stamps of Steamboat Willie and just stamp every surface around us until it just becomes so overdone. How the fuck are we talking about Steamboat Willie? Because <laughs> Steamboat Willie was possessed by Pazuzu. <laughs> uh, okay. Remember that really squeaky voice she does during the exorcism? Oh, me, yeah. oh, my. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, 
okay, so um, so Father Karras tests uh, Regan to see if, oh, is, is this person really possessed? And like you said, we get drawer opening, we get weird languages. And we find out later that that's English in reverse. Mm. Yeah. It's like the Beatles. Yeah. Turn me on, dead man. <laughs> what the hell would that even mean? Did you did you ever uh, read all that stuff about Paul is dead? And oh, that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was kind of interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, the, uh, the fake Paul has now been alive longer than the real Paul ever was. <laughs> right. You know? Yeah. It's the kind of, fake Paul will be the only Beetle left at some point. Yeah, it's, you, you can tell because he's wearing shoes. Yes, that's that's a big part of it. Yeah, okay. yeah. And if you record him and slow it down, play it backwards, <laughs> <laughs> he's saying terrible things about Jesus. Yes. Okay. So I stopped the movie last night, right about before it got into the real crazy, um, the bucking bed and. The, the cold room and I decided while I was working while I was printing I would uh, I would listen to the rest of it on Netflix with my earbuds at, at work and it was really interesting because <laughs> I, I hadn't uh, I hadn't watched the movie for a few weeks I, I just happened to watch it three weeks ago thinking that we may do the movie soon and uh, it was interesting to just hear the audio part of it it was pretty good sound design I think it for its got day. the Oscar for sound design. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it, it was up for two more. I think it was up for it, three. It got. It was up for several. It, it got the Oscar for sound editing, and blasphemy. <laughs> use of soup. Creative and use swearing. of soup. Yes. <laughs> oh, um, uh, adapted adapted screenplay. That's right. Which is strange when you think about the huge plot holes yeah that you know the, the things that you need to know that are in the novel which don't make it to the movie and then you you kind of scratch in your head about you know why certain things happen yeah and you know like the the whole idea of uh damien's loss of faith seems to be that doesn't seem to go anywhere no because it, it brings it up at the start when he's talking to other priests but then Pretty soon into the movie, there's there's no question yeah. of faith at all. You know these things are happening before his eyes. You know immediately. Well, maybe he's like Scully, and every week he figure out a way to <laughs> hand wave it away. Oh, it wasn't Satan, or Pazuzu. It's a bit of undercooked potato and hormones. That's all it was. So all in all. Um, the last part is the part that everybody thinks of when they think about this movie and how it freaked them out. Because the first hour and some minutes, really, there's only a few creepy things that might have upset audiences of the of the past. Um, but this last, you know, 35 minutes or so is where, you know, they really take the gloves off and start hitting you with yeah, the Yeah, the actual ritual possession. was about 15 minutes. Yeah. So of the 35 minutes remaining, 15 of it is the ritual. Mm-hmm. And then the last minute or so is the the fall down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> um, Which everybody in the neighborhood heard and knew the sound of someone falling. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> like, Somebody fell. And they all start running towards it. <laughs> yeah. Again. Again? <laughs> yeah. Again? Stupid that, stuff. That house, uh, actually, they, um, uh, the walls were 
weren't close enough to that flight of stairs. So that wing where her bedroom's located mm-hmm. is an extension they built for the movie. Oh, okay. So, so do either of you know much about the the supposed curse of The Exorcist? Yeah. <laughs> no, what is I the curse of that. The Exorcist? Well, there's the usual tinfoil hat theories that, that happen with movies like this, you know, where... I think Ted Danson appears though, in the it? background. <laughs> that, that's one of my favorite. Yeah. Is, uh, is that Three Men and a Baby? Yes, it is. Okay. This film is such a phenomenon. And I think this is the first one where they had that. This film is cursed. Yeah, where things have gone wrong. Yeah. Well, really not that much went wrong. You know, the f- films have a lot of moving parts and a lot of things and stuff is flammable. I, I don't think it's that weird that... Some stuff burned down on the set. Uh, some dude cut off a finger or two, or I don't know how many fingers. It's like, yeah, you've got construction people doing construction. You've got flammable things around. You've got um, uh, old people who could die. You've got mm. young people can die. People can just die. So I, I don't find any of it really weird, uh, other than the fact that, um, you know, people said they got some creepy feelings that they felt were genuinely creepy. I mean, that's the only thing you could really say uh, that there's anything to it. The rest of it's just stuff that happens anyway. So I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't give it much. Yeah, I'm, weight. Like uh, one of the guys I worked with on uh, Godzilla died um, shortly afterwards. But yeah, is it he, cursed? He gets. Uh, he gets a dedication in the credits. Oh, good. Good. But, I like uh, Yeah, that. no one says there's a curse on it. On Godzilla. <laughs> the curse of Godzilla. Hmm. So, um, people genuinely freaked out by this right up until they come out with a Freddy Krueger movie and a, and a Jason movie, I would say. That, that it kind of, I think, lost some of its, uh, um, some of its reputation as being like the scariest kind of stuff you could watch. Yeah, I think when Halloween came out. That yeah, was... it's probably a good one to mention too. There was a, in 1976. There was an essay by James Baldwin, um, and uh, it's called "The Devil Finds Work." Uh-huh. He he wrote this book where he he goes through Hollywood films, and and he's not a film critic, but he's he's talking yeah. about issues of race and. Uh, and various things it's, you know it's, it's really good and the, the one the I think the last chapters on the exorcist yeah and uh, he talks about how it's it's like white middle class being invaded by what they fear about the, the outsiders yeah the non-white working class you know she's she's you know her, her main offense is swearing and being sexual at yeah. an early age um <laughs> And the vomiting and the peeing on the rug. Yeah, and he, he also talks about the uh, the most frightening thing about The Exorcist is the banality of the evil. Yes. Uh, you know, if you if you consider what white people have done, um, you know, and, and then and then this is shown as an example of the the extremity of of know, evil, the yeah, existential evil. He says, "Yeah, don't think so." Yeah. No, yeah. mankind has done worse than what this demon has done. Yeah, yeah. that's because Pazuzu is a punk. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm not afraid of. <laughs> so what this what this really doesn't do, as a film, is set Scare up. You? <laughs> well, it didn't 
it didn't really scare me that much uh, when I saw the TV edit of it. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, at that age, I hadn't been really desensitized that much yet. So I would say that I, I probably thought about it, you know, before getting up to get a drink of water in the middle of the night. You maybe thought about it. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but I'd still go get the glass of water. Next time you had a soup. Right. We never had pea soup. Who the hell eats that? <laughs> So, uh, well, I'm sorry. The English have mushy peas. Mushy peas, yes. Mushy peas. What are mushy peas? <laughs> They're, They're mushy from peas. the devil. <laughs> are they gross? Or do you like uh, them? I've never had them. No? They're just some, one of those things you can get at the seaside along with jelly deals and... Jellied eels. Tripe. Lots of other disgusting things. I think I would eat jellied eels if they were roasted eels that were jellied. Well, they, they were like one of the few options for getting certain vitamins. Oh. Yeah. That poor people could get. Ah. Oh. That's not, right. Not everybody could afford hearing that. citrus. Yeah. You couldn't get bananas. Yeah. Milk, things like that. Rich food. People. Rich people they food. have food we for don't have, poor people. We don't have button-up shirts for you people. Or Eat bananas. full of dirt. <laughs> get out of here, scumbag. I'm not even going to call you dirt bag. You don't get dirt. Um, wow. That yeah, I find the, the Exorcist they 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 take this kind of uh, documentary approach to it, uh, which is, you know, which is good approach to it, and there's some scenes that it really works with it. It make you know you have something really weird going on, but it's shot in a really kind of straightforward way. Yeah. Uh, but they, on the other hand, they're putting in all these horror cliche scares. Yeah. So I think it's playing both sides. That's uh, one of the reasons I prefer The Omen, because it's more honest. Yeah. Uh, and with The Omen, you have all these spectacular, like, satanic things going on. Yeah. But the central horrific thing is very human. It's like what the father does mm-hmm. to, you know, hold his family, you know, to, to cheer up his wife and... Yeah. Yeah, he goes to extreme lengths. Uh, he crosses a line. And, you know, so it's like the, the basic, the, the core horror of it, yeah. where everything goes wrong, is human. And then the supernatural stuff is like the, the glossy yeah, stuff yeah. on top. Whereas The Exorcist, the central idea is supernatural. So if you don't buy into that. It's not scary. Yeah, it's, 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 yeah that, that part of it's flat. But I, I like the, uh, yeah, it's so well shot. And the uh, filmmaking, you know, is well directed. The characters are interesting, and you, you know, you care about what happens to them. Yeah. And uh, they're developed, and uh, yeah, it's definitely the performances a well-made are good. Film. So yeah, I watch it over and over. Yeah. And one thing it does not do, other than not scare you, is it doesn't really set itself up deliberately for a sequel. Yeah. And oddly, no matter what, movies always seem to just go well. Just kidding, we're going to do it anyway. And they did. And was it 77? The Heretic came out? Uh, I have it. Hold on, let me see. 78 and 9. Was it? Let's see. This movie also wasn't as funny as I thought it would be. It does. It does. I had heard it was a real riot, but. Well, you were wanting slapstick. Yeah. This, this humor is more subtle. Yeah. I All wanted right. it a little sinister. Let's see. See if I have anything here that says when. When does that stupid thing come out? There's definitely shocking stuff in it. Like, um, 
I mean, imagine at the, at the time watching the scene where she's like stabbing herself with a crucifix and then yes. she like pulls her mother's face down. And yes, that's still pretty shocking. Yeah, that's like, wow. <laughs> 77 for Exorcist 2, The Heretic. Mm. And then 1990 for The Exorcist 3. And then The Exorcist, the version you've never seen, was the year 2000 it came out. Okay. Then there's some other ones. Who cares? Mm. I'm sure they're, they've really run out of ideas by then. Um, but this one, I, I always do suggest to people to just kind of get over your your memories of it being so scary and, and just give it another watch. I mean, I really enjoyed Rosemary's Baby that way. Yeah. And and I'm overdue for a rewatch of The Omen. It's been, oh, The Omen's fantastic. Yeah, it's been way too long since I've rewatched that, like, years. So, um... Don't watch any others, though. Don't. No. Just watch the first one. Well, the Exorcist is really important. You, if you're a horror genre fan, you have to see it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I, I always suggest people give it a look, you know. It's like the uh, huge blockbuster. Yeah. yeah. Massive phenomenon of any kind of film of the 70s. It was like, it was like the highest grossing film oh, really? ever at the time, wasn't it? I don't know. It was like I know. It million. a ton of money. Yeah. Like before, you know, a couple of years before Jaws. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was <clears throat> Jaws was seventy five or seventy six, seventy five. Yeah, it was. It was interesting. Um, so it was, it was unheard of for a, a horror movie to make that much. Yeah, although they didn't intend it to be a horror movie. Apparently, yeah. But. Uh, let's see the so box. They intended it to be a comedy, but it fell flat. <laughs> <laughs> the, the budget was one hundred and forty seven million, and it, what? It, that's what it says. Really. Yeah, that was a lot of money then. Huh? That's a uh, huge that's amount ridiculous. of money for that year. Yeah, um, the budget, but it made six hundred and sixty-one million four hundred and something something. One hundred and forty-seven million. Really? That's what it In nineteen seventy-three. How, how did it cost that much? I God, don't, how I, much pea soup did they go through? <laughs> Apparently, the price of peas was higher then. It's one of those really high-end soups where they have gold flakes and yeah, yeah. It has to be 24 karat gold. Linda Blair held out for a million dollars. A hundred and forty-three million. One forty-seven is what this website. One forty-seven. Yeah, there's this website that's an authority on The Exorcist, but I do wonder if that's adjusted. That has oh, to be. be. It's got to be adjusted because yeah, nothing costs that much. Not no. then. No, you you could have bought the Taj Mahal for one hundred and forty-seven million back then. You yeah. could have bought. Six or seven nice shirts. Yeah. <laughs> we should find an old, like, JCPenney catalog. They're or... online. Oh, we should find out what shirts used to cost. <laughs> Maybe I'm having a false memory. <laughs> There's all these listeners going, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> well, stuff in general used to cost more. It just did. Really? It did. Okay. There was less cheap crap from China. In fact, there, that wasn't even a thing back then. Not really. Stuff was made by some dude in Ohio. Well, not one dude. He didn't make everything. Just one dude. He was really they laid busy. him off. <laughs> now what are we gonna do? I guess we'll outsource it. So, uh, so do we all kind of agree it's it's worth another look? Oh yeah, yeah. It's a good it's a good movie. Yeah, it's yeah, a kind it, of a boring horror film. If yeah. but it's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. Frickin's movies from this period are just amazing. Like yeah. French Connection, Exorcist, oh, yeah. Sorcerer. Yeah. Yeah, French Connection was huge. That was that was that was different than yeah. anything else like it, you know. 
And I would say that what really came along, and we mentioned Halloween earlier, you know, what really came along next, that that was the one that should really scare you. Yeah, definitely. We had things like the Entity. Where um, Texas Chainsaw was the next year. Oh, that's, that's right. It was that, the very next year. Yeah. And, that, and I almost think of that in a class all, all its own. Like that's that's a Grindhouse movie almost. I yeah. mean, it was independent and it was gritty and they had money, but not a lot. They didn't have any hundred forty-seven million. <laughs> they had a hundred and forty-seven dollars. Yeah, that's probably closer. <laughs> a weekend. To, yeah, that's probably closer to their it's budget. One hundred forty-seven degrees. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of dirt. They spent most of that on weed, <laughs> uh, which you know the growing of had been outsourced to Mexico at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Before, before Trump built his wall. Oh uh, boy. Yeah. Let's not get into that. So, um, yeah, this this was not... Where's Snake Plissken when you need him? <laughs> we don't want him to rescue Trump. Doesn't, leave him in New York. Doesn't he land his glider on the Twin Towers? He does. Yeah. In what year? Was 81. It 81. No, what well, year was they're, it? They're in The Exorcist as well, the Twin Towers. Yeah. When he, when he goes to Manhattan. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what year it's supposed to be. Yeah, if it's anything yeah. after 2001, then... Uh, well, it's it's clearly a different timeline. The uh, oh, Escape from New York isn't that set in nineteen ninety nine? Yes, I oh, believe it? it is. Yeah, they had no idea how bleak things were going to really be in nineteen ninety nine, did they? Like, yeah, you think this is a hellhole? Come yeah. On. So, I think we I think we did it. I think we talked about this um, kind of inside and out. Yeah, um, we didn't go over too many specifics about makeup and weird stuff like that but uh i would say that we did mention dick smith dick smith is the most important name as far as all that goes and he you know he made a very convincing vomit cannon and i forget who did the physical the effects like the yeah revolving head and all that stuff yeah they had forget the name they had a whole team of people involved with that kind of stuff but um they did a nice job you know the the, the resources really weren't uh, quite there back back in those days. Well, yeah, like when they, when they were doing the uh, the exorcism scene, they had to film that. Uh, they had to run air conditioners to get it cold enough for the breath to show up. Right. So like now you could just like CG it. Yeah, but then they had just to, what they do. They had to run conditioners to get it down to minus twenty degrees. And can wow. you, you can imagine Linda Blair in a nightgown. Yeah, in bed nightgown. in a nightgown. Everyone else is dressed up. And uh, yeah, so and then they they shoot for as long as they could until it until the lights just warmed it up too much, and then they'd have to wait for the and thawed Linda out. Yeah, <laughs> and they had the air conditioning units up on the roof of the house. I guess I don't know if they're. Oh, is it, this, this is a set? The uh, yeah. the actual house. The, room, the rooms weren't big enough. Yeah, so they would they would actually have them above the room and then pumping the cold air in. I guess I I remember reading this, but. Uh, Wherever they had them, it was kind of like a walk-in freezer at a restaurant. Yeah. I never worked at one. And uh, I don't know why they didn't just do that. Yeah. They could have filmed it in a walk-in. Why not? Well, they, they, in the the John Carpenter's thing, uh, they filmed in a freezer oh, okay. storage area, didn't they? For some of the scenes. Something to get, like that. To get the breath to show up. Yeah. Now, yeah, you just CG that in on a warm day. <laughs> Yeah, you know they never did any breath effects in The Shining, and that apparently that set was pretty warm, mm. where they had the fake hedge maze and the 
the delicious dairy salt, <laughs> whatever that is. Yeah. I think it just means rock salt. Um, or maybe it's a flakier version of rock salt. I think salt. it must be a flakier version. Yeah. <laughs> I know they use cornflakes and It's a Wonderful Life. <laughs> Spray and, painted white? <laughs> yes, painted white. And then they had to redo a lot of the, <clears throat> the sound. A lot of the A and R had to be do, done afterwards because you couldn't hear people walking around on cornflakes. Oh, that's crazy! So, but they won a an Academy Award for it. So well, that's pretty cool. So um, before we get out of here, let me thank the Moonrays for their song "Intro Creature Features" at the top of our show, and you could find them on Amazon or iTunes, and they're easily found on Facebook. So. Um, check us out on Instagram. That's that's in the show notes. We are at Chewing the Scenery on Instagram. And a lot of fun people there we interact with. I see more butts than decapitations on Instagram, I'm happy to say. Okay. Yeah. Butts of all kinds. And <laughs> <laughs> that's what Instagram is good for. But don't you dare show a nipple. Oh, okay. No nipples on Instagram. So Weird. It is weird. It's so weird. Well, anything else before we get out of here? Stay off the moors. Yeah. Stay off the moors. I keep telling you. (laughs) You don't listen. Um, Let's quit telling people what we're going to try and watch next week in case we get haxened again. (laughs) We get haxened. That's a cursed film. Yeah. (laughs) It cursed us for about four weeks. Yeah. But we did talk about it kind of convincingly. Kind of. All right. Well, let's say goodbye. All right. Goodbye. Good night. Bye.